What's going on, everybody? That time again, the All Sinners Podcast Post Game Edition, Episode One Forty Three, from Lincoln, Nebraska. Josh Calloway, John Hoover, Ryan Chapman. We have commandeered the press box at Memorial Stadium, very similar to what we do at Memorial Stadium in, in Norman, Oklahoma. Got a nice, beautiful backdrop here that they set up just for us. Not really, but I like to think that uh, we're right over here. We had breakfast pizza and then actual pizza just a little bit over that way. So you're, you're seeing a scene of history. Uh, the here. kitchen's right there. The kitchen is right there. If you hear weird noises because the ice machine is just for some reason will just like drop a pound of ice. Not even a pound, like 10 pounds of ice. Just all of a sudden, so if you hear that, that's what that was. Well, it's not for any reason. It's the ghost of Nebraska football past showing yeah, up yeah, because yeah. the they sure didn't play like Nebraska out there on the field. Right, right. So Tom Osborne is not dead. He might wish he was after today. <laughs> Glad to be here. We made the trip up north to Lincoln. I drove through the night. Ryan got here late. Who's been here? Uh, he's just been chilling. He's staying tonight, too. He just loves Lincoln. He loves Nebraska so much. <laughs> be 18 days in Nebraska for me this year. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's 18 more than most people should ever have to do. Um, but it's been good. It's been a good time in Nebraska. We're here at the stadium. And we witnessed a bloodbath today. If you're watching, you know by now, Oklahoma crushes Nebraska today, 49-14. to It was worse than that yeah. uh, because, frankly, Oklahoma called off the dogs with, like, a quarter and a half to go still in this game. Otherwise, it could have been row. a lot worse. 49 points in a 49 row. 49 unanswered. Effortlessly, too. A lot of those were just easy. The important note, my undefeated season prediction, lives for another <laughs> week. The Sooners absolutely dominate. We'll get into the nitty-gritty of the game. Obviously, it's what the post-game show is for. But let's just start off with, guys, they, they destroyed them. This game was not even remotely close. I was shocked. Honestly, honestly, I was just like, Nebraska came down and scored their first touchdown. You know, it was easy. It, they made it look easy against the Oklahoma defense. They, they got a punt on the first Oklahoma possession. After that, the game was over. The, oh, Nebraska was up 7 and nothing, and Dylan Gabriel took it 61 yards for a touchdown. The game was over. It was 7-7. It was 7-7, and Nebraska was dead. I've never <laughs> seen anything like it. And they, those guys just laid down. It was unbelievable, uh, offensively, defensively. No fight whatsoever. I said on the postgame wrap that I was in I was in the press box for 30 to three and back in 04 and 68-28 uh, back in 2008. Those were some bad Nebraska teams. We've seen some really bad Nebraska teams. I don't think we've seen anything quite like this. Yeah, I think that as as awful as Nebraska was, though, this Brent Venables Oklahoma team deserves a ton of credit because how many times did we see this during the Lincoln Riley era? Right, that even when Oklahoma gets up big on somebody. You have uh, loss of focus. You have it even when when it's not a Tulane type finish, right? It's still comfortable. Yeah. Um, the, you know they throw the twos in and things go bad. Like as far as the twos being in the game, the only thing bad thing that happened is uh, Davis Bevel screwed up a, a handoff exchange, right? I mean even uh, in the second half that Brent Venables talked about it in his post game, right? That he wanted that team to set the tone and. He kind of insinuated it was the make them quit, step on their neck type thing, right? In the second half, first play, a true freshman, Jaron Canick comes out and forces a fumble. Then you had all second half plays, the Key Lawrence interception into the end zone to make sure that they kept points off the board. And then Brent Venables was, he wasn't bemoaning, but he was also talking about, and oh, by the way, we had a third down sack on the final drive of the game that if, the, if that had hit, um, 
then Oklahoma would have maybe had a chance to keep that last touchdown off the board. So that's a very different vibe from what we've seen in the past as far as finishing off a game. And uh, Josh, like, I I told you I wanted you to talk about this because we should really start at the beginning. It was a very different vibe from the second the Sooners took the field. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're, and you can see it in the highlight video. I might, I might try. I have like two solid minutes of it that I, I need to make use of. I only put about 30 seconds in the highlight video. But when they're going to take the field, and they play the hype video for Nebraska, which was like half an OU hype video. That's a separate conversation for later in the show, maybe. They, you know, the place is going insane. It's everything we think it's going to be. It's a madhouse in there. The Nebraska fans are totally into it. They're ready to go. Every time they saw Mickey Joseph on the board, they go bananas. And Brent Venables leads his team out. And he didn't do this at home. You know, in the home games, it, you know, he was right around the middle. They would run out, and he was just kind of somewhere just amongst the, the team, basically. Not this time. They come out, he's right at the front, Dylan Gabriel's right next to him, and they come out leading the team, and there's a look in his eye that's just, I mean, it really, it's so cliche, and it sounds ridiculous, I know it, but it felt like, I, I'm looking at them saying, that team is ready to go. Like, the way the the way he had this expression on his face and the way he turned and talked to his guys hitting him on the pads and Justin Harrington kind of just gave him a little pat on like the hip, kind of just like one of these, like, we're ready. We're ready to go right now. They, they looked dialed in. I know the game didn't go up to a good start. We'll talk about that in a second. But they, they had a different vibe. They came in ready to make a statement today, and they did that. This game for me was won during the winter, last spring, during the summer, training camp. The, the game was won. Brent Venable said something in the post-game press conference that really caught my attention. He said, the guys are hungry to learn. He said, when you talk to them, they're on the edge of their seat, leaning forward, getting into what you're saying. So he's, he's, you know, he's talking to them, and he's looking out into the audience, 100 guys, and they're on the edge of their seat. And the coach thought enough of that to mention it in his post-game press conference. What that means is, listen, they're Schmitty built, you know, you saw the fitness factor out there today where one team mm-hmm. wilted um, emotionally, spiritually, sure, but I think physically as well. And uh, they're Venables built too. They're built by Brent Venables. This team has a different mindset, as Ryan mentioned. In the past, you saw Lincoln Riley's teams fade in the second half, fade in the fourth quarter, take their foot off the neck, so to speak. This team doesn't, hasn't done that yet. Uh, they've, put, they've, they've put the pedal to the metal late in games. Um, while their starters were out there, at least, is, is what I'm getting at. And, and that's huge. That's so big. That's such a, You talk about a change in culture. That's what we're looking at now and is, is a new culture, a new way of thinking about putting people away. I mean, just think about what they've done in the second halves of these games yeah. to, that, to, to further that point. I mean, also we talked about last week, Kent State game, 26 nothing after the half, right, if I'm doing math correctly. Mm-hmm. UTEP, what they get? They didn't score at all after the half, right? It was – they got a field goal after yep. the half. Yeah, 17 field goal after half. Nebraska gets just a garbage time touchdown today. After the half, it has been insane domination from Oklahoma. I mean, that that's a testament to good coaching, obviously. Well, and this team today, this is going to get lost in the shuffle. Um, you mentioned it. Dylan Gabriel was pulled with seven and a half minutes left in the third quarter. Seven and a half minutes in the <laughs> third, third of the quarter. Game. Yeah. Dylan Gabriel was pulled, and Oklahoma dictated that. Who was – leading the next Nebraska drive, Chuba Purdy, Nebraska's backup quarterback. This is a program with nothing but pride on the line, hosting a historic rival in what many consider a great week because they're finally under the shadow, out from under the shadow of Scott Frost. And 
Oklahoma made them wave the white flag. This is the most points that an Oklahoma team has ever scored in this stadium. Like that, that is history. That's a big bout of history. And uh, Oklahoma made Nebraska eat seven and a half million dollars today. <laughs> that that's what happened. Nebraska like. There was no point in Scott Frost not being on the sideline with the effort that that team put in. I think that has a ton to do with how Oklahoma played. Yeah, you might as well have just saved the seven million dollars yep. and kept Scott Frost here because it didn't make a yep. lick of difference. Nope. If anything, it got worse. Because uh, like that was we, shocking. To like me. we talked about a lot. Scott Frost, the butt of many jokes, and deservedly so. But Nebraska did lose a ton of close games under him. This game was not close in any in any way. Um, and yeah, Scott Frost right yeah. now saying, "Yeah, I wasn't so bad, was I?" <laughs> yeah. Forty-nine to fourteen, and it was it was. Worse than that. Way worse. It could have been. Oklahoma could have got to 70 today uh, easily if they kept the foot on the gas. They had 49. I mean, it was the middle of the third. I mean, they, they, were, they were pouring it on. There was nothing, nothing that Nebraska could do to slow them down, and they couldn't move the ball at all. Casey Thompson got absolutely just battered in this game. We'll talk about that more in just a minute. Let's talk about the offense first. Uh, real quick, I'm not sure. good at math, but I added it up while you were talking. 57 to 10, I think, is the second half scoring right now. I mean, that's going to put you in good shape. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's going to put you in good shape. They've come out of the locker room, and UTEP, they were already in control, but it wasn't totally over, and they put it away. Kent State, it was a close game, and they dominated and put it away. And then today, it was bad, and it got just way worse. Uh, they've, they've really been very good coming out of the locker room, which wasn't Lincoln Riley, like, all in the third quarter. Well, yeah. we, we ran the story last year after the Tulane game in the – I forget how far back I, I pulled the data, so apologies. But basically, it was on average, Oklahoma was winning second halves, sure, but they were winning second halves by an average of a touchdown, which means that on average, if you're winning second halves by seven points, because it's an average, that means you're losing a bunch of those second halves, right? Yeah, and right. Uh, this has been total, utter, complete domination, and uh, it's domination after two terrible drives to start the football game. Yeah, absolutely. So... We'll start with the offensive side first, how we typically start uh, these post-game shows. First drive does nothing. Um, doesn't really go anywhere. They give up the touchdown. We'll talk about that in, in a minute. They're down 7 nothing. And now By the way, Wanya Morris did not start. Did not start. He got in. He played. Third drive. Third drive. Yeah. They come back out down 7 nothing. They quickly get into a third and long. It's not looking great, you know, for another per drive. Then Dylan Gabriel goes 61 to the house. He goes around the side where Wanya Morris was blocking. I'm just saying. Yeah. He comes on the field and they score on that drive. It's a great bit of Ryan vindication in the postgame, by the way, as well. Hoove and I had, I don't know if it was a spirited discussion, but we were trying to determine if that was a draw or a busted play. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, team draw won the day. This fly is just trying to get in your soda. What soda you got? Pepsi. Uh, that's what you get. <laughs> it's the choice of a new generation. <laughs> um. What was I talking about? Dylan Gabriel. So he has 61 yards to the house. A, that's the longest run of his career, which is, which is hilarious. And then B, ain't nobody knew he had that in <laughs> Nobody. We're kidding ourselves. Marvin Mims joked about it in postgame. He was like, yeah, we didn't know he could do that. Farouk said the same thing. I didn't know he could run like that. <laughs> he took off down the sideline. I mean, To his credit, he said, I wear a blue jersey every day in practice. Of course they don't know. If, I mean, if you asked me before the season, if we did like prop bets, Longest run of the season for Dylan Gabriel. How low would you have gone for, like, taking the under? Like, 29 and a, 30 and a half? 29 and a half? Yeah, would you have taken the about under 30, about 30, yeah. 61. He housed it, and it was great. He went right up the sideline, made a nice little move, and it totally changed the game from there. Offense, 49 unanswered. Like I said, they Nebraska had no answer. We talked about it in the lead-up to this game. Nebraska's defense is really bad. 
Georgia Southern came in here and put a bunch of points and yards on them last week. But, I mean, what can you, what more can you do than scoring literally every drive for, like, two full quarters plus, which is what Oklahoma did in this game? Yeah, and the other thing about that, too, was there were a lot of questions that we asked this week of Dylan Gabriel, where, where Dylan Gabriel, if you watch right. the video, if you watch the video on AllSooners.com, you can see that Dylan Gabriel kind of limped into saying, like, I mean, yeah, I've played in a rivalry game before, and – I don't want to put words in Dylan's mouth, but this is the vibe that, that came off. Dylan's always been very respectful to UCF. He has friends at UCF still. He talks about still talking with those guys. But you could tell there was an understanding from Dylan Gabriel that playing in, in UCF versus South Florida is going to be nothing like playing OU Texas, Bedlam, or OU Nebraska. And so there was a question. These are the most road fans Dylan Gabriel's ever played in front of. How is that going to look? On the very first drive of the game, he took a sack, which I would bet all the money I've got, which is not a lot, that Jeff Levy <laughs> on Monday will come in and say that Dylan Gabriel held the ball too long. It's not on the offensive line because he had a moment where he could have probably thrown it away. All that stuff, how does he respond? He himself has that huge 61-yard run. And then from there, did he miss a couple of throws? Mm -hmm. Sure. But for the most part, he was money as far as delivering it when it counted and – again didn't even come close to turning the ball over really the only close play to the turnover is that interception he threw in week one that was called back for the uh uh was the pass appearance on farouk and uh he even had a moment where there was a bad snap that yeah the play ended up busted but he was able to corral that if dylan gabriel is going to not turn the ball over at this pace and the defense is going to play like that Oklahoma's going to win a bunch of football games and they're going to be in arlington I'll just re recap the, the scoring drives for you guys. Listen to this. This is the drives. Punt, then the touchdown, then, the, then a punt. Then they went touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. End of the half, missed field goal. Venables wasn't, wasn't thrilled about that. Then they opened the second half, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Uh, then they get ready to score another touchdown. They're getting ready. To, they're in the red zone, and they fumble that handoff. The backups all fumble the handoff. Uh, then they drive down again and go for it on fourth down, and you know they're almost in the red zone again. They go for it on fourth down. That could have—he's Josh is 100 right. Could have been 70. They could have named their score today, and with a little bit better execution, a field goal, uh, not a fumble down in the in the red zone by the backups. Um, I think. What are we looking at there? 59? That's 59 right there. Well, so. They would have got to 60 if they had just left Gabriel in the game for the third quarter. Just the third quarter, they oh, would have yeah. got to 60. Yeah. yeah, he was on fire. And you know. The, a big part of that, obviously, we're talking about Gabriel and they're throwing the ball, and we're going to talk about the receiving core in a minute. Maybe got a couple of guys going that they need to get going. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But the run game, which we talked about so much, they couldn't run the ball against Kent State. It was alarming. We were sitting here saying, guys, this is bad to not be able to run. The, we're sitting in almost exactly a week ago. I guess not. You know, We're still like six hours from almost exactly a week ago from that podcast at the, at this, at the stadium in Norman. But after that Kent State game, saying they couldn't run the ball. Like, that's, that's not good. And they came in tonight – Eric Gray was fantastic. He goes 11 carries for a buck 13 and a couple of scores. Javante Barnes got what he wanted. Marcus Major not as impressive. He had a couple of nice runs. Didn't dominate the way he had the first couple of games, but he had some nice moments. Gabriel the big run, but they ran the ball today, and Eric Gray looked great. I, I think that's got to be one. If you're narrowing it down to any one thing as maybe the most encouraging, at least for me, it's mm -hmm. the fact they ran the ball you know, largely at will uh, is, uh, you know, really, really good to see if you're Oklahoma. We knew Oklahoma uh, – we knew Nebraska was really bad defensively. We knew they were bad stopping the run. but And we knew that Oklahoma's shortcoming has been running the football so far. They popped a couple of long ones to kind of stretch their yards per carry out for the team. 
But take those two runs away, go after two games, they're averaging 4.2 yards per carry. That's not great. That's not hardly good. Uh, today, they did it effortlessly. Average six yards a carry, three, 312 yards rushing. Everybody got a flavor, got a little taste. So uh, that was huge. That was, uh, and it was big that your quarterback does something, contributes something. You know, Dylan Gabriel's not a 100-yard quarterback. Not, he's not a dual-threat quarterback. The fact that he was able to do that really helps your statistics. Again, helps skew your uh, yards per carry. That's helpful. Uh, I don't think you can count on that every day. Not uh, when the, um, what do we call them, the white shirts? They're not red shirts. They don't deserve black shirts. <laughs> uh, the Nebraska shirts. Corn shirts. The corn shirts. <laughs> yes. That was, that was pathetic. Yeah, it'll be uh, really interesting to see what they do next week against K-State, right? Because th- there were still a few moments early in the first quarter <clears> – <throat> The Gabriel run was a great play call, great execution by everyone involved, especially Dylan Gabriel. Outside of that, you could see a little bit early on on the first four drives, um, including that touchdown run. Levy was kind of hesitant. A lot of the runs he called were he had a couple of uh, hit Stoops on a jet sweep, hit Mims on a jet sweep, like get those guys to the boundary. But what did he tell us, right? I asked the question about, second half adjustments on Monday, and he said he was too stubborn with the run game. He needed to throw the ball more. What did Oklahoma do? They immediately threw the ball more, really through that late part of the first quarter. Then by that time, it had loosened up everything, and the run game was just dominant from from then on out. I think that that had a lot to do with it. I think Wanya Morris' return had a lot to do with it. That group just looked more confident. And uh, so I think those are all really encouraging signs going into what will be a a big test next week is K-State dropped the game to Tulane, yes, but the D-line's still legit. So um, I think that this is a group kind of gaining some confidence that that, uh, we'll find out a ton about will they be able to assert their will run first or do they need to be kind of a pass to open up the run game, which isn't a negative. It's plenty fine and a very uh, viable way to win college football games in 2022. I want to clarify something I I screwed up as well. Um, Wanya Morris came in the third drive. That was a punt. That was a punt drive. So uh, I I misspoke, uh, misremembered. Uh, Dylan Gabriel scored his touchdown run on the second drive of the game, not the third. So, yeah, there you go. So shout out Tyler Guyton. Yeah, can we actually see how that's balanced, you know, moving forward? That whole Wanye Guyton yeah. musical chairs uh, is certainly. I thought the line was more physical today, didn't you? Oh, yeah. They, they, yeah. they ran like, down their throats and it gave her a lot of time to throw. I mean, there was nothing. Yeah, you yeah. saw them pushing guys off the, off the line of scrimmage. That's, that's something that we haven't seen. We haven't seen a lot of movement uh, up front the first two games. Today, there was a lot of movement. They were pushing guys out of there. So uh, a lot of those runs were. Huge holes that Eric Gray would bust through, and then there's no linebacker. Like, literally, where is the linebacker? What is the linebacker doing? Are they catching <laughs> them on blitzes? Uh, a couple of times maybe, but just in general, Nebraska was not in the right place at the right time. I got the feeling that Oklahoma was calling the right play for the right Nebraska defense. How important do you think it was to get, you know, maybe, seemingly, possibly, Jaleel Farouk and, and Theo Weiss uh, going in it this helps. game a little bit. I mean, Farouk had the nice touchdown. Weiss had a really nice touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, just just three catches for Farouk and two for Weiss. But they both scored. They both made big plays in the game. And we talked about it, you know, last week and leading up to this week. Of kind of like, I mean, Marvin Mims is – he, he has shown I, I can get open and get the ball whenever I want. Uh, we know that about Marvin Mims at this point. He was good again today. But getting Farouk and Weiss especially, like those are your next two. I mean, Stoops is there as well. But Farouk and Weiss are your big play guys. You're looking at to go over the top and, and not be all on Mims. 
They both get in there today. How important was that I uh, for Oklahoma? Dylan Gabriel had begun to lock in a little bit on, on Marvin Mims the first two games. I thought he had kind of, you know, left-handed quarterback. He's looking to his left. He's finding, firing the ball to Marvin Mims. Today he got the ball out to his right and got the ball out to uh, Theo Weiss. Uh, really nice throw to Theo, by the way. Uh, just kind of one of mm-hmm. those deals where it's either going to be caught by a great catch by Theo or not at all. Uh, and then uh, same with Farouk. Farouk, he was it's a really good throw. To Farouk. He said, you know, as a receiver, yes, it's frustrating, and you get a little frustrated when you're not catching the ball. But as long as we're making plays, as long as my teammates are making plays, and we're winning games, I'm fine. But yeah, he was excited to finally get the fo- the football coming his way a little bit. Yeah, I thought Gabriel saw the field a lot better today. A lot better today. Um, he did miss a couple of throws. Farouk should have had two touchdowns. Um, he was open. Gabriel just left it a little bit farther to the middle of the field as opposed to right up uh, the hash. But um, I, I think that he's a guy that I'm going to ask him about it this week, and we're not ever going to get a real answer out of him, I would bet, because he's cool, calm, collected, says the right says the right thing, all that stuff, which is fine. But um, I think that he's settling in to being the starting quarterback at the University of Oklahoma. You know what I mean? Like – yeah. No matter how much you say it doesn't matter, things like that, it's a huge adjustment. It is. It's a lot of pressure, and uh, especially when you have, like, new system, you're trying to teach all your teammates, all that stuff. So you're trying to be perfect for them on top of dealing with that just bigger stage. And uh, I think that today, kind of being on the road, I think it was one of those things that everyone was against this team. And I almost think that maybe helped the offense settle and just be like, oh, no, we're good. We're fine. Let's just run the system. All we've got is each other, and they were dynamite. So I'm curious to see if Gabriel will admit to, hey, it's the, I'm not overwhelmed at any point, but it does take a little bit to settle into that role because I thought he looked very relaxed out, outside of the first three drives today. Tight ends caught four passes today. That was cool, including one from Caden Helms, Bellevue, Nebraska. Right, the Nebraska right can't the, get one. Right down the road, he caught a pass in the second half. From um, Davis Bevel. Bevel actually got to throw yeah. a little bit. Bevel was two for two, I think, yeah, for 14 one yards. One of them was like a little – Handoff, basically. Oh, was it? But, okay. okay. I mean, it was a the, pass. The yeah, it goes pass. in the books as a pass. I'm not taking anything away from Bevel. But, uh, yeah, I, w- I still want to see him air it out. He's a big tall. You know he's yeah, got I a cannon. I want to see him sling it. Yeah. Let the man air it out. And the- Tight ends got involved, though. That was cool. Uh, and then one threw a touchdown pass. We talked about that. Did we talk about that? We talked about the wrap. Okay, Brad- we haven't talked about Braden Willis yet. Braden Willis, Braden Willis is driving his car on a campus corner. Gets T-boned, I think he said on Wednesday. May, may have been Tuesday. Uh, he comes out today. He was perfectly fine. He wasn't injured. He said the other driver was fine as well. Nobody was hurt. Um, but, you know, that kind of jacks with you a little bit. He said he didn't have a car the back half of the week. He's bumming a ride from everybody. He comes out here. What does he do? Puts his uh, receiving gloves on and throws a touchdown pass. Pretty great. And, and Ryan pretty great. had a great story on all sooners about it and uh, kind of the background of that play, which is pretty funny. Yeah. It, not going to give it all away, but uh... – Braden Willis almost lost his job as the trick play quarterback. <laughs> uh, obviously, there's no Nick Basquin, no CeeDee Lamb, so, so they had to have a, uh, a new emergency quarterback for that play. Uh, it sounded like uh, Jeff Levy was having fun with that after the game. I was there for that. Braden Willis was having fun with it after yeah. the game. But it, it was a cool moment, and uh, it, it was just one of those plays where you, you kind of mentioned it on the postgame wrap that's up on All Sooners, Josh, but uh, – that was the moment that this game went from, okay, Oklahoma's in control, they studied the ship, to 
Oklahoma is going to name what the final score is, and Nebraska's going to yeah. like it because there's not a dang thing that the Huskers are doing about it. Yeah, that was just that's when it moved to just we're just going to do whatever we want at this point, and, and that ties in nicely to earlier talking about Marcus Major, where he didn't run the ball as well today, at least yardage wise, as he did in the first couple games. He still got out there and caught the touchdown right there. So I mean, he still had a nice a nice day. And he had 12 carries. He had more carries than than Eric. They Green fed did. him. Yeah, they fed him today. So yeah, so it's looking kind of balanced that running game. It's almost by committee, like we said in the preseason. Yeah, running that back running, by committee. That running backs, you know, you got guys. Javante Barnes looked really good today uh, as well. He continues to kind of just look almost better and better each week. Yeah, in, in a way. It felt like through the first two weeks. And I was talking about a friend with this. Uh, he kind of pointed out that it. He seemed like a guy that's a physical running back. And as a freshman, in the first two weeks, he was trying to run over people. Mm. Today, it looked like he just played running back. It, wasn't, it didn't look like he was a heat-seeking missile trying to embarrass Nebraska defenders. It's like, hey, just get out in the open field, and those embarrassments will come. And uh, so I, I thought that Barnes looked a lot better. Another guy that, different than the Gabriel conversation, but just settling into his role. And now Oklahoma's got three guys that you feel you can feed. One last thought on the offense as we uh, shift over. We'll talk about the defensive side of it, who also played a great game today, obviously. I think we can put to rest any hope of, of seeing Mr. General Booty in a game this year. Because <laughs> if it didn't happen today, that's as bad as a whipping as you're going to have probably the rest of the season uh, today. And they put Davis Bevel in with seven minutes in the third, and they still didn't yeah, get to Booty. So but I think work. that well, dream can die. Par- partly, too. Bevel needs work, number one. Number two, they only brought three quarterbacks. They didn't have their backup and their backup and their backup. They didn't have Micah Bowens. They didn't have mm. Ralph Rucker. Like they do uh, at home. Right. Yeah. They didn't have Nick Evers. So they only had the three guys. So I guess it's not like pitcher, you know, you can bring them back into the game. <laughs> it's not like when you pull them out, oh, crap, we're out of pitchers. No. Yeah. Uh, that would add a wrinkle. But I guess Braden Willis could do it. Clearly. That's true. That's true. Obviously. Maybe Braden Willis is the uh, low-key third string. Joe Mixon threw one, too, didn't he, yep. one time? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, so a long lineage of <laughs> skill players throwing touchdowns. So Oklahoma at Braden Willis gets added to that list. Let's well, so go to the defensive side. Um, I mean, this defense is awesome. Um, I'll, that's not the most high-intensity breaking down X's and O's analysis you're going to get. Right. But they're fun to watch. They hit. They tackle. They play with an edge. That first drive, I don't know if you can just write it off to just first drive of a game, plays are scripted yep. kind of a thing. That's exactly or what I was thinking. Emotion of, of that kind of – because the crowd was on fire and stuff like that. But they went right down the field in two minutes. Did Casey Thompson and the Huskers after that. I mean, they couldn't move the ball at all. It was total domination. This defense is legit. Only allowed – I mean, you give up that touchdown in garbage time, which makes it look – a tiny bit better for Nebraska. If you're talking about total, what would that be? That's 30 points total in three games, 10 points a game. That's with a garbage time touchdown here today. They're, that defense is, is getting it done. I'm going to do what Brent Venables did in the postgame press conference. They scored a touchdown on their opening drive. Punt, 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 downs, punt, end of the first half. Fumble, punt, punt, downs, interception in the end zone. And then they got scored that garbage time touchdown at the end. That is a hellacious stretch of defense by any any stretch, by any imagination of any team that's ever played football. If you hold, you have that many possessions and you hold them to that many stops in yeah. 2022, you generate that many stops on defense. That's damn impressive. Well, and, and Brent Venables said this after the game. Jonah Laulu said this after the game. 
Nebraska picked up about roughly 70 yards on that first drive of the game. 77. They picked up about roughly 70 yards the rest of the first half. That is dialing it in. OU threw a different look out there, right? They went with that three-man front. Uh, Jonah Laulu also, I asked him about, okay, they also blitzed the hell out of Nebraska, which is what we've all been waiting for. We kind of talked about that during the week, right? Is this the week that we finally get to see the floodgates open? And uh, Jonah Laulu kind of said, hey, we came out in this three-man front, and what they've been told is that a lot of people think, oh, we can run against the three-man front, and they were calling a ton of run blitzes. I think they almost baited Nebraska into – try to run against this front, try to run against this front. And then Deshaun White played like he had a man on fire. Uh, Laulu had a big sack. Uh, Redmond had a big sack out of that front. Ethan Downs had an awesome game stuffing the run. And uh, from that point on, Nebraska then became one-dimensional. And a Brent Venables defense, when Deshaun White is blitzing like he was, as good as he was out of the cheetah spot, when Jaron Canick comes in and says, hey, Deshaun White, you get a targeting call, no worries. My first snap, I'm going to get a hat on Casey Thompson as well. You make yourself one-dimensional like that and just let Brent basically uh, let the dogs off the chain. Like You're not going to succeed, uh, especially not when you've got that offensive line and kind of that lack of skill position players that Casey Thompson had around him. Deshaun White. Where did that come from? Yeah, yeah I was going to say he was unbelievable. Who, like you referenced in the in the post game wrap, this was the game of the cheetah because Deshaun White was everywhere. It was too bad he got ejected yeah. in this game in the first well, half. He got himself ejected on Case Thompson. It was a good call. Yeah. He lowered the helmet. Can't do that. Fortunately for him in Oklahoma, it happened right at the end of the first half. So he'll be back, you know, full go next week. We joked about it in the rap. Brent Venables didn't know that. <laughs> he got to post game and thought Deshaun White. He he's, mentioned Deshaun White's out for the first half next first week. First year head coaches, man. He was like, Deshaun White's out for the first half next week. That's a bummer, you know. And everybody kind of looks around like, no, he's not. And, <laughs> and, and Mike Halk was like, Mike Halk no, breaks in no. and says, no, he'll be back next week. And Brent Venables goes, all right, cool, all right, cool. <laughs> I was thinking he's gonna be out. So, but he was having a really good game before that. Jaron Canick comes in, leads the team in tackles by a wide margin. Ten he is 10. Next, clo- next closest was six. And then not to be overlooked, Justin Harrington got in there with five tackles. So it was the game with the Cheetah. Those guys were everywhere. Cheetah made 21 tackles. They're doing something to feature those guys. And I'm going to ask Ted Roof on Monday what exactly they're allowing. You know, And he's probably going to poo-poo the question. <laughs> he doesn't want to reveal any secrets. But clearly they're doing something to feature those guys and get them uh, in isolation blocks where they can defeat their man and, and make a play on the ball or get in space and make a play on the ball. Well, I think those guys are doing a really good job, too. It, frankly, this is just something we didn't get to see the last three years, right? It's a difference in system. This was not a part of Alex Grinch's system because he created pre-snap movement by shifting the line, right? Like the defensive line would shift, and they're trying to time that shift right before the snap so that everyone fouls up their lanes, right? Mm-hmm. Offensive yeah. line. This is more of a traditional what you see on Sundays, right, as far as linebackers step up to the line of scrimmage and show like they're going to blitz and then drop off. Guys drop off and then come on this delayed blitz, screaming through uh, the B-gap. Usually, you know, uh, it's just different, and it was more conventional, more what you're accustomed to see. And I just thought it was so impressive that, okay, so Deshaun White, he's a veteran, right? So being able to do all kind of that pre-snap stuff and still hit home, that comes naturally to him. Jaron Kanick rolling out there. We've only seen him at inside linebacker since the spring game where he played Cheetah. To come back out, get thrown right back into the Cheetah spot, and he also was on point with those timings, things like that. That, to me, was almost the most impressive thing, and and that includes a guy that didn't really flip the game but set the tone for the second half and said, this game is over by forcing a fumble on the very first play of the second half. Yeah, then they went and cashed in on the other side. That, that really – 
I mean, it was like a 1%, and they just slammed the door shut big time. That was a great way to start the second half. Eric Gray talked about that in postgame. Brent Venables harps on the first drive of the second half as being where a lot of games are won and lost. Come on, come out for a turnover right away and go score. That's that's pretty good uh, way to start the second half. And it's pretty fun. You know, Jaron Kanick, who we heard so much about in the offseason, guy who's committed to Clemson and, you know, that whole thing, you know, wanting to come to Oklahoma. Brent Venables telling him, no, you should stick with your commitment to Clemson. Eventually comes to Oklahoma anyway, gets the Baker Mayfield tweet, if you guys remember that. And we hear how much of a freak he is and all this stuff. And now we're actually seeing it three games into his career. He's leading the team in tackles. It, it's it's cool to see a guy kind of live up to the hype a little bit. It's really early. Brent Venables joked about that, saying he doesn't even know what he's doing right now. He has no idea how to play <laughs> linebacker right now. It's basically the equivalent of just saying, wait until this guy actually gets good, essentially. Look what he's doing right now, and he's not good. It's basically what Brent Venables said. He's got this much natural ability. The guy's going to be a beast. Um, before, he already is, but yeah. he's going to be a monster before it's all said him, and done. Him and Stutzman roaming the, the what a linebacker combo. core together. Whoa. Yeah, that's a hell of a combo. With, you know, Kobe McKenzie and Kip Lewis. And, yeah, it's it's a, it's a crew. Lewis Carter, who murdered that punter, is coming in a couple of years. Remember? <laughs> <laughs> I look for any reason to shoehorn that in. <laughs> that's so bad. Well, and speaking of punters, you know this game was bad when I looked out at the box score before we started recording this. It was like, Holy bleep, guys. Nebraska used two punters. <laughs> that, they beat them so bad. They're like, well, let's throw the other pun out, punter out there and see if he can't. Maybe this boom guy one can these. make a difference. <laughs> and he hit one 51 yards, so he did a great job. The best punter name of all time, Timmy Bleak Road. Shout out at one punt. 51 yards. See? Not a bad punt for way, Timmy. Way better than, than your guy, Brian Buschini, who only averaged 40.8 <laughs> yards and was letting Marvin Mims return him right, left, and center. Marvin Mims is going to return a punt. For a touchdown yeah. for the yeah. season. He's gotten close a couple times already. I yep. also feel like Oklahoma is bound to block one. Last year, I really, especially toward the end of the year, hand up, got pretty lazy about shooting punts because they just never even really pressured and they fair caught them all the time. I shoot every punt now because <laughs> I'm expecting a block or Mims to, to run one back. That's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. He's already gotten close. He has more yards. I wish I could create the stat. I think it was Mike Howe tweeted the stat. I think. Marvin Mims has more punt return yards than Oklahoma had last games. year. We're three games in. Three games. That's something that Oklahoma was just giving away last year. Giving away. Nobody's yeah. making them do that. They just right. gave it away last year. It's, it's, it's insane. Um, so. Venable said that they played 70-plus guys today. You wouldn't think That's that going insane. to Lincoln, Nebraska would be the game that you can empty the bench. How is it even mathematically possible to get that many? Like, I'm doing the math in my head. It's like, it's only 11 at a time. I think it's yeah. 70 in there. You, you get your three deep in on both sides of the football, and yep. you get your two deep in on special teams. 27, 27 guys made a tackle today for the defense. I don't know what the count was on offense, but the offensive line was – they were doing wholesale changes. The O-line was the receivers, a bunch of freshmen out there. Uh, Nick Anderson came to the game, went through work, uh, warm-ups, did not suit up, though. Um, who else? Who else in the pregame that we oh, were talking Mason about? Thomas R. Mason play, Thomas yeah. didn't play. That's right. Yeah, he he did not warm up, but he came out in his jersey and street clothes. So, and and real quick too, I don't want this to get lost in the fact that this is one of the worst Nebraska teams I've ever laid my eyes on. Defense awful, right? For the Huskers, we talked about it all week. They're the 124th total defense entering this week. Did absolutely nothing to help their cause. The offense was moving the football. And I know they haven't played anybody, but they were still moving the football, right? 
Um, oh, yeah. Scott Frost had taken his hands off the offense. Mark Whipple, they, they had turned the reins over. Almost 500 yards a game. Yeah, and, and Oklahoma shut them down outside of one drive with the starters, when both sets of starters were playing. We've been waiting. We've been waiting. Kind of the defense sure looks better. The fundamentals are better. They've been playing very basic the first two weeks. If this is the first taste of what this defense is going to look like when all bets are off and the playbook's open, I'm not saying they're the 85 Bears or anything like that. But this defense has taken a massive step forward, which is surprising to me because when Brittman was hired, went in and did the digging, Clemson was in the 70s, 80s-ish in total defense the year before Brent Venables was hired. Year one, it was marginal. They jumped about 10 spots. Year two, they jumped into the top 25, and then they never left the top 10 after that. This is a much larger jump forward through three games than Brent Venables' year one at Clemson, and that has to be incredibly exciting if you're an Oklahoma fan with the young talent that's contributing right now plus what, what they're doing on their recruiting chart right now. And things are getting ready to get tougher. Yeah, conference plays yeah. right around the corner. Kansas is three and zero. Kansas, not Kansas State. Kansas. The Jayhawks. The Jayhawks are three and zero. The tweet of the night. I'm going to read it right here, you guys. This is from our friend Harold Kuntz, who works in Kansas City now. Turner Gill, former Tolton. Charlie Weiss, Clint Bowen, David Beatty, and Les Miles combined for two road wins. Lance Leipold this season has three. Wow, well, not two. Not this season. Oh, he has three in that, his career. That, Tennis, three in that his career. Tennessee Tech was at home, but if you right. throw the Texas game in from last year, a, yep. a big road win. Lance Leopold, who uh, you know these people around here should be paying attention to. Well, uh, well, Lance Leopold's yep. going. Well, they need. That's if they get their eyes off Urban Meyer. There were there higher Urban, Urban Meyer shirts here, in the crowd. He was here right for big noon kickoff, and fans were. I was down there. They were shouting at him, "Urban, come save us!" The Stuff we, like that. The we want Urban Chance on big noon kickoff. I heard it. And yeah, you know. We obviously we talked about it all week. This Nebraska team is really bad. They just fired their coach three weeks into the season. They're bad. Uh, that's no secret. But to be fair to Oklahoma, while they are bad, it's an eleven point spread. Okay, it wasn't like they were fair by thirty. It's not like an FCS team. And there was a lot of people that were kicking around Nebraska making this thing interesting with the interim head coach. Who said at the beginning of the season that Nebraska was going to win? Was, <laughs> yeah. it, was it somebody that we know? <laughs> exactly. So while we acknowledge Nebraska stinks. There was a lot of people who were kicking around Nebraska, making this interesting, winning this game. Even I mean, I picked Oklahoma to cover the spread, but I had 41-20. I thought Nebraska would hang. They did. I d- did not pick Oklahoma to cover the spread. I picked 45-35. Yeah, they they so didn't. great performance by this defense. <laughs> they didn't hang at all. So Oklahoma smokes them and uh, can't really ask much more than what you got today for the Sooners. Complete domination. Player of the game. We'll do that as we uh, start to kind of. Slowly wrap us up here. Uh, who do we got? You have a lot of options. I'm inclined to say Jaron Canick because he led the team with 10 tackles, but the best player on defense today was before he got ejected was Deshaun White. That's my player of the game. It was really too bad he got ejected. Six he tackles. He putting together a really good game. One tackle for loss. He broke up a pass when he was in such good position to read the, position, read the play that the ball hit him in the back of the head. Uh, the guy was everywhere. He was knocking uh, Casey Thompson all over the field. So, yeah, that's my player of the game. Yeah, I- Totally agree, just for sake of good podcasting, I'll pick an offensive player. Give me Dylan Gabriel. Uh, again, it, it can't be understated. This is a guy that, yeah, no shot at UCF. He's never played in a road atmosphere like a Memorial Stadium that was rocking, especially after that touchdown drive from Nebraska, to respond in the way that he did immediately, immediately snapping off that 61-yard touchdown run. 
incredibly impressive to me, and it shows you that this is a guy that he's not as talented as Caleb Williams. I'm sorry, but he's shown he's more than capable yeah. of running this offense at a high level, a high enough level, probably to if if everything if they keep T to play like this, like he can win you a Big Twelve championship. He can maybe sneak you into some some talks that. Maybe Sooner fans weren't talking about starting into this game, which is being the sacrificial lamb to get pummeled by Georgia. <laughs> Only 230 yards passing and two touchdowns for Dylan Gabriel, plus 55 rushing and another touchdown. So add it all together, he had a huge game. I'll go with Eric Gray for my player of the game. Eric Gray heard y'all. He heard <laughs> everybody. Uh, talking about Marcus Majors running back one. Eric Gray is not a true running back one. All those conversations, he balled out today. He was getting what he wanted. He's making it happen. Um, he he he's good for a couple big runs a week. It seems yeah. like at least, but he was he was on it today. I mean, ten over ten yards a carry, that'll do. How that'll about the Marcus big. Major touchdown in the first quarter, where they line up in like the pro, under the shotgun, pro set? No, not pro set. Uh, two tight ends and and two backs, I formation. When does the last time we've seen Oklahoma do that? Well, they made Mickey Joseph burn a timeout because they came – it was yep, right. Yep, yep. Marvin Mims um, – I guess it was the second quarter. Yeah, they, it was, it was an end zone in front of us. Yeah. Marvin Mims said it was out of bounds. They come out with Chris Murray and at fullback. Mickey yeah. Joseph says, no, 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 we're, <laughs> we're doing this. <laughs> then they come back out, and like you said, power O. Tawi Walker and at the fullback. fullback. It, Love ton it. Of fun. Uh, ball. Yeah, and it should be noted. I know we shared this on the postgame wrap. But in the press box, you have a PA announcer who, who does a little, <laughs> hey, that was a five-yard pass by Dylan Gabriel, completed to whoever, blah, 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 for every single play. Standard operating procedure. On the Eric Gray touchdown that opened up the second half right after the Canic Force fumble, the in-stadium PA was like, and that's a 21-yard touchdown by Eric Gray, when he was crossing the five-yard line. They didn't even wait to see if the safety made a play on Eric Gray to the goal line. He's like, no, this, isn't, this isn't happening. <laughs> Nebraska's dead. This program is dead. Urban, please save it. That, that was the attitude in the press box uh, from even the PA. So yeah. that, that OU made the in-stadium PA quit as well. <laughs> God bless these people in Nebraska. Their fans got up for this. and uh, Team let them down. Team let them down, which nothing new about that uh, wow. as, of, as of late. Texas Tech battling with NC State, twenty to seven. Down twenty to seven at halftime. That game's in Raleigh. Cut them a little slack for the the Raiders. Get that win over Houston. So they got that going. Cowboys lead. Oh, it's using a bar Pine Bluff, forty-nine-seven at halftime. Arkansas Pine Bluff. UTSA is ahead of Texas, ten-seven. These are all games that are final. Quarter. About time anybody. They're <laughs> like, why are you talking about this? Well, and Tulane upsets K State, the next opponent for the Sooners. That's yeah. a shocker. Best three win team in the country, Tulane. I bet OU fans are just rolling that bad boy over from last year. Yeah, K State took a little bit of the, the steam out of that. That was going to be a ranked matchup under the lights. Maybe some buzz, maybe a slim chance considering it's the Fox <laughs> primetime game, but you thought maybe college game days would think about it, maybe because it's a pretty thin slate. Next week. Game day's got to go to Kansas State. There goes that. It's got to go to KU Duke. Send Jay yes. Billis as the special guest picker. This, Lean there, in. There will be more opportunities for Norman later this year. Obviously, Bedlam and Baylor are both <laughs> in Norman. But OU. I'm cracking up here because Houston is getting a taste of what life is like in the Big 12 Conference. Yeah. Tech they, they got slaughtered by, by Kansas today. Lost to Tech last week. And yeah. Tech last week, exactly. They're one. They're 0-2 in Big 12 play. So as They're we, not even in the damn league yet. As we go to uh, wrap up. Here at the press box, it's 8, 10 p.m. This is a Notre Dame game, obviously, so we're just 
burning the midnight oil here in uh, in in Lincoln. I think who's gonna get a runza on his way back to the the hotel? I can already feel him thinking about it. He's gonna go two. Liar. I had the double runza last night. I'm good. <laughs> the double runza. Who and I did not get enough Nebraska when we were in the College World Series for two full weeks, so we just had to <laughs> drink it back in. Um, you did see Skip though today, though he did not give you a hard time. <laughs> Well, he well, did, he did but, about, yeah. but not about our coverage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always, always fun to see Skipper. He's been to all three of you football. Asked him why his camera was so small. I've been to all, all three of you football games so far as, uh, as, as the Skipper. He's yeah. got a new contract. He's feeling good. He's feeling good right now. Um, last thing as we start to wrap up, we'll look at K-State a tiny bit in a second. But, um, you know, today Oklahoma looked really good. Obviously their best game of the season so far, coming into Lincoln on the road, doing what they did. It might be their best game just anyway, removing the fact that it was on the road in hostile environment, crushing this Nebraska team. Where is your opinion at for what this team can do today? That's an evolving thing, week to week. You get new data, you reevaluate what you think they are. What's this team capable of doing? Because now, because America is all on Oklahoma. I know you guys have surveyed Twitter a little bit. But the national perception of Oklahoma is about as high as it's been, certainly since Lincoln Riley left, at least. I don't think there's anything to say about what this team's capable of beyond they can beat Kansas State. Simple as that. And I'm going to take you back to the Brent Venables press conference. He said this team hasn't done anything yet. So it's too early for you to start saying, oh, yeah. like, you yeah. know, this is this is, they playoff. Haven't started this is playoff team. They had a good showing, not a, not a great showing. They had a great showing today. But conference, uh, non-conference play, just in general, I'd say they had a uh, B, B plus, A minus performance in non-conference overall. All three games combined. I think today, and that's tough because the defense only allowed eight points per game going into today. So it's ten that's, points that's per game. That's grading now, harsh. Yeah, yeah. I think that today is more encouraging just because we finally got to get a taste of. Okay, Jeff Levy's opened the playbook up a little bit. Brent Venables has opened the playbook up a little bit. Uh, you should have – exactly what Oklahoma did offensively is what they should have done against Nebraska. This is a terrible Nebraska defense. But it's been years since Oklahoma has just done what they're supposed to do mm-hmm. in a lot of these games. Yep. So I think that while in the lens of what it should mean, it shouldn't mean a whole lot, I think that that's very important that this is a team that is showing they can go out and they can beat the doors off of a – power five opponent that they should kick the crap out of. And, that, and that's yeah. what they did today. Um, for the run game, like, again, we said this this last week. Like, you run really well against Nebraska. That's a good sign because you didn't do it against Kent State. But ultimately, you want a cookie? Like, this is a terrible Nebraska defense. Yep. The K-State front's for real. If they do this against K-State next week, in command to not only be in Arlington, be the favorite in Arlington, mm-hmm. be a heavy favorite in Arlington. Yeah. Depending on what OSU does, OSU's looking pretty good to start the year. And then from there, you can start having those conversations. Be a favorite to get to the playoff at yeah. that point. If they do this again next week, if they put this performance together next week against K-State, I think they're a playoff contender, a real legit playoff contender. Yeah, uh, That's what I, you know, I was going to finish up with was just some, you know, obviously we have a whole week to, to preview that Kansas State game. But looking ahead to that matchup, you're home back home. Night game again. You imagine the vibes are going to be high if you just did what you did in Nebraska. I imagine the atmosphere is going to be pretty good. K-State took a little bit out of it, like I said, laying just a fat egg today against Tulane. Losing at home to Tulane. What are you doing? Yeah. Climbing in the boys. Uh, I made the joke earlier. They kind of feel like this year's Iowa State. Like the, the expectations are high. 
you know, thinking like they could be that kind of sneaky sleeper team to make some noise here down the stretch, and they lose at home to Tulane. What are you doing? Well, Adrian Martinez just put one out there. He was emotionally with the Huskers today with that performance <laughs> that he had in Manhattan. That had to be it. I was just looking at the game. The final score was 17-10. Michael Pratt, remember him, Tulane quarterback, completed 50% of his passes today, got intercepted twice, then goes down and leads his team on a game-winning touchdown drive. The uh, K-State offense went for it on fourth down five times. They were one for five on fourth down. Uh, fourth and short, twice in the third quarter, once in the fourth quarter. They got shut down at the line of scrimmage. Well, I'm wondering what the Oklahoma defense is looking at when they see, or, or what they're seeing when they look at that. Any last thoughts on K-State? Wrap up? No, it, it'll be – Last again, thoughts on this game, I should say. Yeah, Early yeah. thoughts on K-State. Again, the, uh, that K-State front, for as bad as they played today, defensively it's for real. So that's what I want to see. If Oklahoma can do this offensively, and again, I know this is like – has a negative connotation, but I think this Oklahoma team needs to be a pass to open up the run, and you can do that today, and they still shoot guys. The run-pass split was still ridiculous. I, I know that OU basically said, hey, don't worry about it. We're just going to tank this thing in the fourth quarter, but they still had almost like uh, – Yeah, 54-30 as far as snaps, run plays versus pass plays. Oklahoma can have a ton of success and shred a ton of teams passing early on in the first quarter, and then as people freak out, and as you get Theo Weiss involved, as you get Jalil Farouk involved – that makes that even more of a threat. Then that opens up the run game, and then Jeff Levy can can be that guy that he wants to be that run yeah. first guy. I think that's totally viable, a totally viable path to a really explosive offense. I want to see it against a really good defensive front in K-State. And, and like you said, if they have a similar performance, then you really cook them with something. Deuce Vaughn is one of the hardest guys in the country to tackle. Uh, Sooners didn't do it last year. Remember that? Um, especially coming out of years. the backfield. Yeah. Uh, I remember Alex Grinch's comment was believe it or not guys we do have a plan for the for covering the back out of the backfield because <laughs> they didn't do it they actually have a plan they didn't follow it whatever uh he's a slippery dude he's going to get a lot of yards today 21 carries 80 yards rushing his first time i think in nine games that he didn't go over 100 so i wonder what i wonder how physical the offensive line is for for kansas state at this stage if they're getting shut that's their first power five victory in 12 years two lanes two lane so what the Yikes, I, mean, I didn't Yeah, where that. did that come from? That's yeah. not good. That of course, they almost worse. got one last year in Norman. <laughs> that they did. That they did. That Tulane team that was going to be feisty and, you know, going to be a good G5 team that won two Lost games. Lost nine straight. <laughs> what a wacky team. That was a weird season. What a bad – what a – just not good. As if good 2020 OU wasn't stupid enough, yeah. 2021 comes along and says, watch yeah. this. This nope. OU team seems to be much more straightforward. I was about to so say, no wacky tomfoolery today. Just a good old-fashioned <laughs> ass-kicking. Yep. So that's it from Lincoln. Uh, we're signed, we're wrapping up here. It was a good uh, trip up here. We'll make the venture back. I enjoyed it. My first time covering a game up here. Ryan's first time covering a game up here. Who of your first time in what? At least years. double digit years. Thirteen years. Oh nine. Oh nine. Good to get up here. It was cool to see the rivalry. You can tell these fan bases like to play each other. It's one of those. It really is a unique rivalry in that regard. There is like a. <laughs> Respect, kind of. We want to play. Texas is losing right now. Texas My God, seventeen-seven. My hey, God, second quarter. It, uh, there was totally predictable, right, Sam Mace? Yeah, <laughs> there was a old school Big Eight conference shirt in the it's OU like the big, fan big eight section. Flag. Yes. There was a Big Eight flag. <laughs> as soon as we got out of the car this morning, the first person I walked by had a Make the Big Eight Great Again shirt. <laughs> like, there's there's a lot of nostalgia in this game. This was fun. It, it, it's it is a ton of fun, and again, like you kind of mentioned, Josh. 
one hell of a fan base out there for Nebraska. I just it feel really ter- is I too feel bad. Terrible for him. I feel it awful. wasn't fun for the young lady in the in the row behind us in the press box. Uh, that, speaking Nebraska. Of a, speaking of a great fan base, Nebraska. Yeah, speaking of a great fan base, you guys should have seen the press box today. Nebraska <laughs> retains the title as the chattiest uh, media press box I've ever sat. It's that in. College World Series. Spilling over. Remember Same how, thing. That That's thing's right. like a sports bar. Difference is, they're all cheering for Nebraska in this game. They're like, come on, come on, run, go, Casey, go, go, run. just get it. Go, Tuck oh. the ball, like, Casey. You're just like turning around going, will you stop? <laughs> we had, Grow up. Be professional. We had less of a Jeez. we had less of a time at OU Texas when the actual food serving staff was in the aisle literally cheering. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I remember that. <laughs> that's coming up. Oh, Texas is just um, a few weeks away. That's sneaking up. We're going to get some Fletchers soon. Dear God, get us on the first floor of the press box. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> we got some We got some work to do before then. K-State at home and then uh, Fort Worth in two weeks. That's our next road trip for OU and TCU at, uh, what's the name of their city? Ammon G. Carter. Uh, I almost said Lupton. That's the baseball stadium. Ammon G. Carter uh, in a couple weeks. But we got home next week, back on home soil, the Sooners and Kansas State. It was fun getting up here to Lincoln. Um, that's probably it for Nebraska for a while, unless baseball wants to make another crazy run. That's all on you. <laughs> it's all on me. I'll eat, I'll eat a runza for you if we get there. <laughs> um, there you have it. That's it. Thank you so much for watching, as always. We'll be back Wednesday with our Kansas State preview show, wrapping up, of course, the Brent Venables and Jeff Levy and Ted Roof press conferences, along with all the player avails throughout the week ahead, putting the fishy touches on this game as well, new AP poll, as soon as the NFL – all that good stuff, as per usual. Allsooners.com, just an insane amount of coverage from this game is there for you. The wrap-up, highlights, post-game press conferences, game stories, takeaways, I don't even know what else, a ton of other stuff. It's all there for you, you will. There's no way you'll have not see, heard t- talked about every angle of this game on Allsooners.com, so be sure to check us out, and uh, we'll be here with you all week getting ready for the Sooners and Kansas State. So that's it for us from Lincoln. It's a good trip, good first road trip of the year. We got some more doozies coming up. They're kind of later. <laughs> we only Ames got and... locked in the stadium. We didn't get. Or we got locked out. We, we got locked, get locked out of the in. stadium, not locked in. We haven't yeah. been locked in yet. Yeah, that was yeah, pretty correct. stupid. We didn't even bring that up. We shot the wrap, and then we got locked out. We couldn't get back in to get our stuff. <laughs> we, uh, we're probably it's... locked in right now. Yeah, we're the last people here. Yeah. There, we haven't Again. seen a soul. I saw some OU Daily Kids poke out to get some soda like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> That's the only <laughs> other bodies I've seen between besides these two guys in the entire like it's, in like two hours at least. It's some adventure every week. <laughs> every time we go on the road, it's never it's never happens. easy. There is no such thing as textbook <laughs> at all. Um, so we'll keep the train rolling. Hopefully things go uh, smooth in TCU in a couple weeks. That'll be our next time on the road. But yeah, there's some big there's some doozies down the road. Ames and Morgantown are just looming. I can't wait on to see the what horizon. In Morgantown <laughs> on the you ever horizon. Been locked in an airport. <laughs> oh man, Morgantown, Country Roads. I just want to. I just want to ride bad. the thing. I just want to ride the the tram thing once. All I know is West Virginia is really bad. Yeah, that's my early. They that's that's like my early take. Sixty nine to seven today against, against what, Towson, playing Towson or whatever. Yeah. They already lost to Kansas at home. They're going to probably finish last in the Big Twelve. Hey, hey, losing to Kansas. That's. Quickly it's a creeping up into quality loss territory. That's very true. The Jayhawks, the, the, the Jayhawks schedule. Not just going to completely change. Trying to wrap up, but the the Jayhawks schedule the next three weeks is not that bad. Like they could could be could be six and zero when they come in Norman. That's not out of the realm of possibility. 
What a wild statement. Can you imagine if that's true? They'd be ranked by then, obviously. He's already coach of the year, and he hasn't even coached one Big 12 game. <laughs> well, he's coached one. One. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, he's yeah. coached one Big 12 game. I can't remember who they play. They play Duke, right? Yeah, they got Duke. I think they played CCU, and then it's another you know Big 12 game that's not horrible. Like they, 6-0 is not crazy for Kansas when they come to Norman <laughs> in mid-October, which is outrageous. That's the week after the OU-Texas game. What a wild world we live in. Trap game. It's college, upside down. College football's drunk. Yeah, OU-Texas is a trap game for Kansas coming to town. <laughs> <laughs> OU-Texas. Texas is the trap game before the eyes looking ahead to Kansas. Yep. That's uh, Brent Venable style. Like you talked about the Nebraska game this week. Big there you have spot. it. Yeah. That's it for us. We'll wrap up now. We'll get out of here. Thank you so much for watching, as always. My read went away. Thank you for listening and watching. Like I said, we'll be back Wednesday previewing the Kansas State game, wrapping up this one, all that good stuff. You can listen to that show on iTunes, Spotify, Google, iHeart, wherever you get your podcast. If you have an Amazon able device, just say Alexa, play the All Sooners podcast. It's also posted on our website, of course, allsooners.com. Click on the playlist on your phone, your tablet, or your computer, and you can watch the video versions of all the podcasts on whose YouTube page, John Hoover Media. So that's it for us. From Lincoln, adios. For Ryan Chapman and John Hoover, I'm Josh Calloway. We'll catch you guys next time.